Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by my co-host and star of this show, Sal Marinello. This is the Hot Corner with Coach Sal, episode 323. Before we get to Sal, just want to thank our audience, 53,000 and growing, 74 countries, grassroots MLB front offices. We appreciate your support. You pushed us on the iHeart. Now make sure you keep us there and keep climbing their ladder of great podcasts on their network. Give Sal five stars today. Make sure that you write some great comments because we do battle the analytics of the podcast world just like they do in Major League Baseball. Sal, happy Friday to you. Yay, good to be here. Can't believe it's another week. Yep. You said you got a football game tonight. I know you're calling football games as well here. What's what's in store this evening? Uh, tonight, I, uh, it's, it's called Morris, Morris Sussex Sports. They do a really great job of the uh, high, with the high school sports, all sports, boys and girls, in Morris and Sussex counties, two very sports-centric, competitive counties up here in uh, central-slash-North Jersey. And I'm doing a game between Montville and Chatham. So it's a game that has playoff implications here in New Jersey. We're getting down to the wire, and playoff uh, brackets are getting constructed as as all these games wind up this week and next week. Well, so you're about you're two weeks away from the regular season being over. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? Uh, certain teams start. You could, there's a, a week. They call it week zero, which I, I don't know why, but some weeks, some teams start that week. So what what they do in New Jersey, your first eight games count. Uh, everybody plays nine, and then the playoffs start week ten. And teams that don't qualify for the playoffs can uh, get hooked up with a team that's similar to them that's looking to get that tenth game in. So they try to to give everybody a last game that is uh, competitive. Yeah, it's good. The more these kids get to play, the better. Especially, you know, you see the teams that progress deep in the playoffs. Obviously, they earned it. But those are kids that are getting those those one, two, three, four extra games mean a lot. I mean, you're talking about another third of a season. Yeah, and and again, it starts so early. And what they've also done here in New Jersey is they've we have so many high schools. It's obviously always been one of the most densely populated states, and a lot of these towns have high schools and. What they've done is they've kind of started the, the season a week early and added, I believe it's at the most two extra rounds for the state champion. So we play down to a more manageable number. I think at one point we had like 32 different state champs because we have five groups. We have at least uh, South, Central, and North in all of those groups. And then there are like in North Jersey, there's a North Jersey one and North Jersey two that have those group one through five in. And then there's also private schools. So there's long stories longer is there's an awful lot of state champs, but they've tried to play it down to a more manageable number. And and actually I think it would be very difficult to go much lower than that from both the time uh, standpoint and from a a competitive standpoint. 32 though. That's, that's a lot. That's more than I thought. Yeah, that's a that's a, a, a guess. Uh, I, I, it's somewhere in act. It's somewhere around that, but it's definitely a lot because again, all of those groups and the different sections in the different parts of the state. Yeah, I think New York's got six um, state champs. But uh, well, that's good. Enjoy the game tonight. It's, it's, it sounds like it's an exciting time for sports there and in all the states in the country. But New Jersey, I agree. Uh, as a college coach, I always felt New Jersey was pound for pound the best state in the country to recruit in geographically it's not that big but in terms of 
the, the talent that kind of flows through that state. There's, there's a ton of it. I, I like in all the sports, I like the coaching out there and there's a toughness that comes with New Jersey. I have to say that for my wife, cause she's from New Jersey. So I got some points tonight for saying that. And well, and I think too, we, we don't have the depth, but I think at the high end, you have just as good of players and it's not just football. We have basketball, I think is good. Wrestling really is very, uh, it's very quality here. The wrestling, it's a niche. I think it's a niche sport, uh, but it's very popular here. And uh, Rutgers being in the big 10 helps that because the big 10 dominates wrestling. So that's a, that's a big plus there as well. Where, where's the state championship played? Is there one central location? No, they spread them out. They'll play some game at Rutgers. They'll play some games at Giant Stadium. Oh, nice. uh, they'll, they'll play some at some of the smaller uh, Division III. Uh, Kane uh, is a, has a great, great facility, yeah. which is nearby. They have a, a big jumbotron screen and an appropriately sized stands. I played a state coach to state championship game at Giant Stadium. And while it was awesome to be there, and while our fans showed up, an amazing amount of fans for a small high school, there's still, you know, 8,000 people in a 80,000 seat arena. Uh, I, I went to some of the games at these Division three school stadiums where you have them packed, and it really feels like there might as well be 80,000 in that stadium if there's 15. So uh, give and take, I guess. You get the excitement of saying you played at. Giants team. I, I'm familiar with Kane College. Uh, one of my former coaches was the head football coach there at one point in time, and a uh, long time ago. And uh, he just raved about it, John Audino. Because what they try to do is eliminate the home field advantage as you oh, get sure. to those rounds. So, and I know New York does theirs at the Carrier Dome, which is kind of the big, big football there. So, well, we had we had a uh, big topic. I kind of touted it on on Facebook. I got a lot of response to find out what is. Indeed, the third leading cause of death um, in, in the U.S. here. A lot of guesses on there. Uh, one person guessed, I guess I won't say the fast food, but they kind of guessed in the fast food range. Um, and I, I you know, kind of laughed that one off. But um, I'll let you kind of open that up wherever you want to start with it. And we'll, we'll get into the, the ailments that are causing problems with our society. Well, I did that because I thought it was interesting because the post was kind of eye-opening. But at the same time, I had a sense of I, wa I wanted to quite, quite um, quietly or personally fact-check that stat. Yeah. And if you look at it, there's a lot of different sources. And if you go by the CDC, uh, the, the, the third cause of death is leading cause of death, which is COVID, which I don't think anyone actually believes. And I think even if that were true, it was for one period of time. But the bottom line is, Dave, and this is one of the worst, best kept secrets or best worst kept secrets. I'm not quite sure that when you looked at all cause mortality, that first year of COVID, there was no difference in the numbers. So we could get in that rabbit hole, but I don't want to. But so you, you've got a bunch of different sources and they all come up with some different numbers. Now, I don't know if you want to be conspiratorial and say that certain sources of info like the CDC is going to be hesitant to put hospital deaths and uh, medic, medic, medicine related, medically related deaths, unintentional, um, are in there. But, um, you, you, when you par try to parse this data, there are a lot of these 
uh, a lot of these categories that can fit that description of hospital or uh, or, or medical related deaths. Yeah. And, the, and with the post that we got, just so our audience knows, it's a, there's an Instagram post that um, that Sal and I go back and forth throughout the week, uh, DM and text and sending each other interesting articles and things to read. So this is coming from an Instagram post. What's what's the source of that individual? Do you, do you have that? Uh, I, I had it. I, I, but, but the bigger picture there, Dave, is I think it just is important that when you see stuff like that, even though it grabs you and, and it, can, it does, we, we all are guilty of this. I'm not, you know saying people are anyone is perfect and always is quoting the right sources but you have to go back and 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 go back and look at what that person's angle was beyond that little snippet because it, it really doesn't bear out if you look at a lot of the other sources like I said even if you don't want to go by the CDC there's a lot of other uh, a lot of other categories of or, and and um causes of death amongst people and the different age group age groups also are uh have different cause causes and you know accidents you know the big one if you want to if you want to give that presenter the benefit of the doubt accidents do show up as number four which are unintentional injuries so again we're not statisticians and i don't want to be one and i don't want to necessarily engage in too much conjecture but my sense is if you dive into the numbers, a fair amount of those deaths that are accidents, more than a fair amount, would fall under that category of medical, medically related accidents. And I don't, uh, and, you know, again, I don't believe that COVID is the number three killer. We've all heard those stories about people who died and had multiple more comorbidities and COVID was given as the reason for death. So that number is totally unreliable. So you can, in some way, see that the um, the numbers do kind of gravitate a little bit, where you could probably make a case under that uh, under that heading of accidents. Yeah. So this this gentleman who we, we saw, he said medical accidents was number three. Did he ever say what number one and two was? Yeah. What well, m- m- number one and number two were pretty much always uh, pretty much the same: cancer and heart disease. So. The- <clears throat> Depending on how you look at that, I think, and and Dave, the bigger theme here, and, and we've talked about this, and I've made some posts and written about it, and I've touched on it in other shows, that there's never been a worse time to not be healthy. And if you look at this list, again, there's a fair amount of these causes that are lifestyle-related and preventable, whether it be stroke, whether it be uh, chronic lower respiratory diseases, whether it be heart disease, whether it be certainly diabetes, depending on if you're going on type two, which leads to all other issues that that are negative, that a lot of these things are lifestyle and we don't need medications for it. And, and I hate to beat a dead horse, but yet here we are beating the dead horse that yeah. people, people have it in their in their control to not run these high risks of death from these common killers. Well, that's good news. I would think that's, I mean, for our audience, that's good news that, you know, don't, don't take this as obviously our, you know, we're talking about top 10 uh, death causes, but you know, the, the positive is, is as Sal stating here is that 
you're in control of a lot of that stuff on a day-to-day basis based on your practice and habits, which we cover here weekly. So uh, pardon the, the pun with, with death, but we, I think it's important to be the dead horse because uh, like we talk in all our shows, reps are good. And uh, I think the more people hear that, the better for our audience. So you can go ahead and bang the drum as loud as you want. Well, and, then, and, there, and I guess you're right because the drum beat is so loud in the, in the direction of misinformation and unhealthy information. I, I got, got discouraged with posting fitness related stuff on my Instagram because every post, Dave, and, and this is not being hyperbolic, let's say 99.9% of the posts that you come across that have to do with training or fitness are just regurgitated garbage that has no real validity. And what's, I kind of feel like worse than Sisyphus, Sisyphus at least got the rock up to the top of the hill before it rolled back down. I feel with this tide of misinformation, disinformation, old obsolete information. I'm not even able to push that rock up the hill at all. Well, there's an engine behind that, that, that pumps that out. And just our audience knows I I can kind of, I can back that number up with, with Sal because I get, I get all these feeds on uh, athletic movements and exercise just based on your feeds. Obviously we know based on the analytics of our searches and what we like, there's going to be other things shot in. So when I get something that's different from what I normally buy into, I push it to Sal just to kind of see, because it's one of those analytic feeds that come into your, your Instagram or Facebook or any social you use. And I send it to him privately and I ask for his feedback. And I would say, uh, 19 times out of 20, you come back with some fashion of this garbage. It's this, we know with, with explanation with it, but those are extra feeds that come in based on some of my, uh, regular feeds that I get. And, uh, I usually have to send one that I look at. So he's write a positive so I can, my self-esteem is good, but, uh, yeah, usually it's not 19 times out of 20. Those are extra feeds that are coming in from unsolicited searches. And, uh, I pass them right on to you and you, you kind of debunk, debunk them for me. Well, and it's, it's really, it's, I hate to sound this way, but there is very little in the way of new information in this in this realm and it's it's depressing that you can see these fit, fitness influencers which is another term i hate and it it's really it's people are going to say oh with sour grapes you wish you had that many followers well that may or may not be true but it doesn't change the fact that their content is garbage like how many more fitness types do you need to see do curls there are only so many ways to do curls and i have news for you if you're in this game and I mean as a consumer, to improve your appearance and you're trying to compete with some of these influencers, you're never going to unless you're taking drugs. So the the fact that you have these workouts and these men and women have these phenomenal physiques, 99% of the time it's due to drugs and or cosmetic surgery. So what we're doing here is regurgitating garbage and the difference in appearance coming from uh, outside factors that have nothing to do with exercise. Yeah. It's, and it's hard to filter. I mean, I'm, I'm someone who's in, I'm not in the fitness industry and in the performance industry like you are, but I have a different, I have a perspective on it from my playing time and coaching and the now with, with children in, in the games. So even with that being said, the amount of information that comes my way without 
soliciting it is just, it's, it's unbearable sometimes and it's hard to filter through. And I feel funny sending you some of that stuff. Cause I know I'm like, Oh God, I've seen, I've seen a derivative of this before. And he's already said no, but I'm going to send it anyway, just in case there's something extra in here that I'm missing. But is it, it's a lot like baseball now. Like we, we, people start renaming pitches, right? So they yeah. just, it's a, it's a derivative of an exercise that's already been done and they just put a little twist on it, give it a fancy name. And uh, you know, here we have a, another influencer. Well, they don't even, the, the fitness business doesn't even bother to try to dress it up. It's that's how uh, ignorant the consuming classes of that information. And I'm sorry if that's insulting, but if you're a follower and a commenter on one of these posts that you have a woman with the large buttocks who's doing hip thrusts in the Smith machine and doing these other exercises that really have very little to do with how the glutes work, then you're part of the problem. And maybe it's you are seduced by what someone looks like and associate that with whatever they do must be working, not thinking there's some other reason, or that you just are that ignorant of what's going on that that appeals to you for some reason. Uh, yeah. it's, 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 it sounds like I'm being unduly harsh, but at the end of the day, that's what it is. Dave, Dave the reason people eat crappy food is because they're ignorant and they're lazy. Uh, that's again, someone's probably going to get angry at that, but no one's forcing you to buy that bag of Doritos and, and make that decision to eat those every day. When I go to the, get my coffee in the morning, I cannot tell you the horrendousness I see that people are starting their day with chips, energy drinks, and not just Gatorade. I'm talking the monsters of the world, those kind of energy drinks, stuff that I, I don't even know what what they are until I see and I look it up and I'm thinking, my goodness, that's what these kids and these people are starting their day with. Yeah. As opposed to, to uh, eggs and uh, whatever else they should be eating. But here, and this is, I'm a little ignorant to the energy drinks. I know what they are. I've never actually, I, I have tried it one time. It didn't really have an effect on me. Um, but it was with one of those five hour energy things. I was driving late and said, ah, let me try and it had not, no effect on me at all. But uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. But uh, wh- what is the reason for that? Is it that whole quick fix mentality? Do, does it actually taste good? Is it like, do people, does it work? I don't know. Oh, you get you get energy do you? from that. But it's it's a, I think the term, it's a pyrrhic victory. You get energy, but then you're getting the crash and you're consuming who knows how many chemicals and what kind of other crap that's in those drinks. Artificial color, artificial flavor. The, uh, again, the, the, have a cup of coffee, you know, get an iced coffee, have something that's at least a minimal amount of negative. And, and I don't even think coffee's negative. That's one of the other, it's amazing to me that you have all these zealots that want to tell you, oh, you know, you shouldn't be drinking coffee. Are, are you kidding? It's, it's basically a one ingredient product versus this other stuff. It's again, goes back to the fake food that they want to have people eat the fake processed and grown in a lab meat that has all kinds of chemicals and ingredients and and has to go through processes instead of eating something from an animal that all they've done is drink water, eat grass or some kind of feed and been in the sunlight. Yeah. Now I, 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 you and I, I think we both follow this guy and I, I sent you, I had a couple of listeners send me the same article on creatine. So we did, we did a talk on creatine last week and I, I hate to mispronounce a fellow Paisan. I mean, we got Marinello, we got D'Agostino. 
uh, you know, Dr. James Nic- Nickel Antonio, I believe how you pronounce it. He, he had a he had a post the top ten food scams. He's really good on Instagram if people want to follow follow that. But uh, and I laughed at some of these because I thought they were a joke. But we have talked about Beyond Burger before. But uh, gluten free Oreos that's a thing. I, I guess so. I I, I guess that. Well, I mean, oh, so so let's be devil's advocate. I don't want to be a total food cop. Yeah. If you do have a say, say you're very healthy, and say your treat, you know, once a week is you want to have a couple of Oreos, but if there's gluten in it, it makes you feel worse than the normal Oreos do. Then okay, but that's probably not what's happening. It's just like back in the day when they had all these. Entenmann's came out with those no-fat cookies that were delicious, and people were eating boxes of them and couldn't understand why they were getting fat. And it was a simple matter of if you take fat out of a baked good, it doesn't taste great. So you have to add something. You have to add something to mask the flavor, which was that they gave it more sugar. So the calories are coming from somewhere, but that's that's the mistake. And it goes back to this Ozempic, Manjaro. Uh, I forget the the name of the other drug that is just totally overlooking the fact that the natural alternative to that is eating properly. And and I've heard there's some doctors on social media that are going after the people who claim that all it takes to overcome obesity is to have some willpower. They're, they're, they act like someone one day woke up. They, so let's say, Dave, they treat it like, God forbid... You wake up one day and you don't feel good and you go to the doctor and you find out you have some kind of condition that has nothing to do with what you did. And one day you felt fine. And over the course of a couple of weeks, it turns out you have something to be concerned with. With obesity, that doesn't happen. You don't go to bed, Dave D'Agostino, 160 pounds lean and mean, and wake up the next day, Dave D'Agostino, 45% body fat with a 40-inch waistline. So to say that, and what that's what's happening, that's how they're kind of now kind of figuring out their arguments about ob- obesity. They're treating it like all it happens all of a sudden, and it doesn't. It happens over time as a result of all the choices you've made. Yeah, I think that's an important point to make. And, and we, we do make it each week at a, di- at a different angle, but it's important for our audience to hear. What about, what about the person that, you know, I guess we'll start with this just to make sure our audience is, is directed the right way. Bad eating habits cannot be combated with a good workout, correct? It, I mean, correct. you can't work yourself out of a bad diet. You can't run a bad diet. I think I sent you that video. Of yeah. the, uh, it's a great video. I wish we had a, a central point where we could post it. But it is a guy on a treadmill running at, I think, at least 10 miles an hour. And he is busting his ass. And there's a guy sitting on a bench behind him eating pizza and drinking a Coke or root beer, whatever it was. And in the six minutes, the guy was busting his ass on the treadmill. He burned something like 65, 75 calories. And the guy eating the pizza and drinking the soda in that same period of time consumed 800 calories. So that just shows you in real life, in real time, the futility of trying to control your diet or I'm sorry, trying to counteract your diet with exercise. Yeah. Well, th- this may be an important question because there are, there, we do have audience members. We have lots of them that are trying to do the right thing, eat the right way, exercise. And, you know, they reach that point of, some people reach that point of frustration. So 
let's just say you got someone, they're doing things the right way. Their waistline is down. You know, they're, they're getting rid of that, that belly weight or that water weight or sugar weight. They're working out the right way, but they haven't lost the type of weight that they wanted to. Uh, they're, they're losing fat, but I guess building muscle. Um, yeah, I, I, the scale, if you're going by the scale, you're, it's, you're, it's like going by how much money you make and not realizing that how much money you spend is the big problem. So you could make a million dollars, but if you're spending a million and one dollars, you're not going to have any money in your pocket. If you make $10,000 and spend 5,000, you're going to have 5,000 in your pocket. So to, to focus on the weight is, is a waste of time, no pun in, or pun intended, because there's more important things than what the weight on the scale says. And now that we're at a point where we have technology where you get bioelectric, you could get a scale that has a bio bioelectrical impedance impedance capability to take your body fat and it costs you about 25 bucks. That's going to tell you more about your lifestyle and your eating and your exercising than how much you weigh. And it's very simple. You could see what your body fat is. And that's the ultimate referendum. Yeah. So with, with our audience, just kind of, you know, not to be discouraged by the number on the scale is, is the message and body composition over body weight. And right? BMI, which they finally just this year recommended, American Medical Association recommended that health professionals stop using BMI. BMI was really never meant to be used to be a measure of someone's health. And it poorly correlates, and it's ridiculous, and it, it's unfair to actual people who are fit and actually to do take care of themselves because uh, muscle weighs more than fat. So the person who, like I'll use myself, I'm under 205 pounds, I'm under 17% body fat, but if you look at my BMI, I am considered to be obese, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I have several of my clients that are in that bracket that are, and several of my friends and compatriots and peers that are very fit. They, they carry a lot of muscle and they're super healthy, but somehow they don't, the, uh, the, the BMI does not allow, allow for that because probably when it was developed, they didn't have that capability. What's the, and I guess uh, this may be I don't know, ignorance on my part. What's the what's the disconnect on that? Why is that so far off? Well, because again, it it doesn't because you're not obese. I mean, that's ridiculous. Well, because but. it doesn't account for the fact that muscle weighs more than fat. So a two hundred pound guy who is fifteen percent body fat is going to be healthier than a, a hundred and eighty five pound guy who's twenty five percent body fat, which is the typical body fat is well over twenty percent. Yeah. I'd love to challenge our audience and maybe to get back with us on, on uh, how they're doing, feeling, and, uh, you know, to devote, we're getting close to Thanksgiving time, you know, Halloween, obviously the candy, the sugar, but maybe devote the next 30 days, uh, some, some intelligent lifting or mobility, getting out and walking, eating at home, as opposed to eating out, uh, getting out and get some sunlight and then hydration. What do you feel about salt with water? Uh, it's good. I mean, if you if you put a pinch in, if you take a liter bottle and put a pinch of salt in, it's it it's gonna help. But if you eat salt during the day in your food, 
you're getting that too. So it's it's fine. It's again, if you're not doing other things, that's a waste of time. It's like we talked about creatine. It's like we talked a lot about a lot of these supplements that may help you. If you're not doing the big picture things, the base of the pyramid things, then that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I, that's uh, you're right. Just having water with salt and it's not going to yeah. do it. I'd love to challenge our audience 30 days. Uh, let us know over the course of the next 30 days. Set a plan. doesn't have to be crazy stuff, but something different. Get up, move, mobility, lifting, walking daily, stay at home, eat meals at home. Yeah, and we've talked about it. Go buy it. I uh, the name. I don't get. You know, I don't get. We don't have any deals with the, this company. But um, it, it was. I decided to get this scale on a whim because I had a client who was just incessantly complaining about her weight, and I kept saying that weight doesn't matter. And then finally, I said, "The hell with it. I'm going on Amazon and I'm going to buy a scale." And I, it was the one recommended by Amazon. It was an inexpensive scale. Like I said, it was under 25 bucks. It's, it's made by Renpo, R-E-N-P-H-O. And it comes with an app and it takes your body fat. Now, is it the most accurate body fat? No. But if it's replicable, which it will be if you're doing it the right way, it doesn't matter if it's two or three points off from what the highest level of accuracy device could get you. And by the way, to get total accuracy in your body fat, it's it's very difficult to do in a practical manner. So this is something you take your shoes and socks off. You step on the scale at the gym. You stand there still for a couple of seconds, and it gives you a number. I would recommend everybody go out and get that, get that scale, get a body fat scale that's inexpensive, and increase your protein intake to the point where you're getting a, a, a gram of protein for every pound of body weight. And see what happens. And I guarantee you, you'll be in better shape after 30 days. So put the kind of lay the gauntlet down for our audience and let us know. I mean, so you can you can reach Sal on Instagram. You can you can DM Real Voices of the Game on Facebook or Instagram as well. We'd love to hear your results on that as well. I had a, I had a uh, friend of mine uh, in the basketball world. You know, there are people on the road a lot, and you know, eating habits are terrible. You, you could hear a lot in baseball scouting as well. And I kind of laughed at him because I, over the course of the day, this this is what the meals were like. Cereal for breakfast. And you know, at the hotels, it's all sugar, cereal. All day long snacking because you're in and out of gyms and, and whatnot. Drinking soda like a madman. And then eating chips and stuff, you know, like you mentioned, the, not the bang on Doritos, but Doritos, potato chips, all that stuff. And I kind of laughed at him. I said, how, how old are you, five? That's how a five-year-old eats. Um, but uh, kind of a message to the audience here. I don't have to be a jerk on my end, but... The, Adults kind of eat like children. Well, and it's it's laziness. It's at laziness and ignorance. And and we're at the point where I don't have patience for the people who want to soft sell that. It's that's what it is. And you and I've used this example before. You go into Wawa and you go into I know in Pennsylvania, Maryland, there's Royal Farms. There's also Sheets. They now all have a center island, a, a large center island kiosk area that has. I'm putting it in quotes, healthier choices for some pre-made stuff, but they all have peeled hard boiled eggs Two, they usually sell two in a pack. It's a dollar 29. They all sell chocolate milk or protein shakes in the refrigerated area. So if you're that same guy who's telling me he had to go buy chips and he had a whole bunch, he had to go buy garbage and eat cereal because he's on the road. Well, that's a way that's, that's basically being 
lazy to a degree I can't relate to. And I'm not a hustler in that regard, but I know when I'm out and if I can't get what I want to eat, I go and get those two hard, two packs of hard-boiled eggs for under three bucks. That's going to give me everything I need to hold me over. And also, it's not going to make me hungry because the high fat content in a whole egg, there's a purpose to that. Not only are there the nutrients in that, but it's also an uh, important part of, of keeping you satiated and, and not making you hungry after you're done digesting it. Yeah. We do that in the house, too. We boil eggs each morning and put them in the fridge and... Kids want a snack. They go in and grab eggs, apple, oranges, bananas, whatever. And let's let's address it again because every time people talk about this, there are a a ridiculous – and this is why I I sometimes get fatalistic. We have a ridiculously high percentage of people that when you talk about eggs, they'll say, but what about the cholesterol? Again, ignorance and and laziness because it's been debunked now for over 20 years – and yet there are still medical professionals, health professionals pushing that garbage based on an agenda, not based on people's health. There yep. has been more than enough studies to show that dietary intake of cholesterol does not raise your circulating levels of cholesterol. And the levels that they're telling, they're still telling people to maintain are lower than the num- than the than the level that your body is going to naturally produce. By the way, your body's all produce cholesterol. So, and again, that's another thing I have absolutely zero patience for in in 2023. Yeah. Well, they tell you to avoid meat. They tell you to avoid eggs. They tell you to avoid butter. They tell you to avoid salt. But they'll push heavily seed oils, grains, plant burgers, as we we've, we've discussed on the show. So do the opposite of what they're what they're pushing out there with that. Um, you know, with, with people, it's, and you, you are, you're very articulate with explaining this to our audience. It's t- whatever shape you're in right now, it took you, it took you uh, a long time to get there. You worked at it, good or bad. So if it's in the bad category, it's going to take you a long time to get to the good category. So you got to be patient. You got to be diligent though, but patient with your, uh, with your efforts. Well, it's, uh, I think it's, it's consistency, consistency allows you to not only have success, but to take advantage of the the times you might want to quote go off the reservation. I'm not saying I never have Doritos or I never have uh, pretzels or I don't have a bagel or I don't eat bread. But by and large, I follow a, a, a regimen that makes me feel good. So that's why it's easy to maintain. I never feel like I have uh denied myself a pleasure. And this time of year, we're getting to the time of year where there's some great foods I love in this season. We get around Thanksgiving and there's pumpkin pie and all stuff that's pumpkin flavored. I'm never going to turn down a piece of pumpkin pie in the holiday season, but I'm not going to go look for it in April because I've had my fill of it when I'm supposed to have it. Uh, And that's another thing we'll, we'll start to talk about a little more. The worst time for people to try to make a change to their diet if you haven't done it by now, don't start doing it in the next month or so because with the holidays coming up, it's never going to happen and you're just going to disappoint yourself. We'll talk about that more in another show. Yeah, as we get close to the Thanksgiving and we want to get to Tommy John stuff. But I had a question from the audience and if we don't want to touch on it today, maybe we can tease it for next week. But we talked a lot about creatine last week and because people don't understand it, they in some cases linked it to steroids because of baseball and it's not. And you, you explained it very well. There's another substance that is very healthy, uh, from at least the research that I've done, and 
um, that is seen, you know, people say the word, they think immediately of, you know, enhanced lips or a beauty product, but, but collagen. Yeah, people- I mean, collagen protein, again, it is a taste, an odorless, colorless, tasteless protein that you can bake with, that you can mix in to other kinds. If you don't want to drink milk with your protein, I, on occasion, drink my coffee with collagen because one scoop is 10 grams of protein. And if you're going to have a couple of cups of coffee in the morning, it's a great way to get that protein in your body. And there are some purported benefits to hair, skin, bone, connective tissue. The jury is still out on that. But otherwise, I think it's a worthwhile but expensive supplement to make a part of your routine. Interesting. So you 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 put co- where, and where do you get collagen? Right at the regular grocery store. Uh, I you get the, the 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 vital. I think it's called Vital Protein. I get it at Costco. It's the cheapest really? place to go. Is Costco? It's probably thirty to forty percent cheaper than if you were to go to your local supermarket or supplement store. And yeah. I love going to my local supplement store. I try to go there as often often as possible, but. When you take a bunch of the things that I take, I try to not break the bank on the uh, on the supplement side. Interesting. No, I like that. I didn't realize. Yeah, that's. I might start doing that with my coffee as well. Uh, to, to change to the texture, you would. If I gave you the coffee, it, you would never. You would never know that it was in there. You just have to. When you, well, the only thing I tell people is you have to mix it as you add it. You just can't throw it in. Or if you throw it in, you've got to immediately hit it with like a frother or really be mixing it pretty well with the spoon. I have this little froth frother that does the job. Yeah, we have that as well. I usually do drink my coffee black, but uh, I may, I may try that out because I, I wanted to add that to what we're, I want to deliberately add it to our diets here. And actually my wife and I talked about creatine before the show last week and it was just coincidence we had the show. So I mentioned that we, you and I had gone in depth on it and uh, we're, we're going to probably add both to our diet intentionally now. So thanks to the hot corner with coach Sal, you want to get into Tommy John numbers now? Well, I think, I think it's instructive yeah. and, and I think it, it points to a bigger problem. And I think we talked about this on the show that the con the, the, the connection I made, the comparison I made to what there is the thought process about what Egyptian, what were important to the ancient Egyptians and in their society, the, the ability they had to build these unbelievable pyramids and these other structures was their way to show people that they could do it. And there is very little, if any, I, I don't believe I've read about anything that was ever in writing that people were able to figure out how they knew how to do these things. And the thought is this, this information was held at a high level and it was passed orally and it was, quote, really a secret. And they wanted to be judged on their output, on their outcome, on what they were able to do. So I said, look at what's happening in our pro sports. And there's no better example of looking at pro sports and determining the shape of the system than these numbers that detail the number of Tommy John surgeries that major league pitchers have had. And it goes from 2016 to 2023 when it went from 27% of pitchers 
to now every year with one year, there was a slight decrease. It went from 27 percent to 26 percent in 2017. And then every year since then, it's gone up to now we're at a point where it's 35 percent. So we've gone to a point where it was barely a quarter of pitchers have experienced Tommy John surgery and spent the entire season on the IL to now we're over 30%. And looking at that alone, especially at a time where attention was being paid to trying to end this and what's happened, Dave, it's gotten worse. So with all of the remedies they've come up with, and you, you know them better than I, but I can come up with a few pitch count, extra rest, whatever they're doing in the weight room, which is my culprit. Uh, they can't fix it. And my my theory is, and if anybody in the minors and majors are, are listening, I'm not totally blaming what's going on there because I believe these guys are damaged when they get to you and it's too late to fix a lot of the things that are being done. However, I think a fair amount of blame needs to go into the conditioning programs that are being used for pitchers. Yeah, it's a it's a rough world for pitchers. Not only what what you're you're talking about, but there's it, it goes hand in hand with the way these kids are being utilized, even at the grassroots level. They're pl- they're pitching, uh, they're being conditioned and trained to max velocity. Um, in addition to the weight training that we talked about, that's not healthy. But what I'm seeing at the major league level, you see all these you know these guys like coming to the end of their careers. Max Scherzer, Verlander, we've talked about Degrom. Um, the ground actually is different than the other two, but I think major league baseball is making an intentional, uh, movement to reduce the innings of pitchers because they no longer want to pay $45 million a year for a pitcher. And I liken it to the market correction that happened with running backs way back when, where running backs used to be the bell cow part, you know, and that's what they're called. And they were paid the most. And then you see tandem backfields, you see, you know, overuse and abuse early on and, you know, shortened careers. Now they make less money. And I see, I see pitchers. I'm surprised professional pitchers should be fighting that like crazy because they're about to see themselves being paid like middle relievers. Well, yeah. And I think, I don't know. If, I just see, if you look at the trend, it's going to, will there, will there ever be really a starter anymore? A true starter. I mean, what would be the difference if you're going to pitch the middle four innings or the first four innings, what's the difference? I think I'm throwing four innings, maybe four and a third, and then they've got a middle guy throwing two. And but I'm saying, what's the difference? What, what, why would you want to have a, a – I would if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have a guy that doesn't need to – you know, obviously I'm not going to wait till game day. But if you set your rotation for a period of time and you see how everyone kind of fits and then maybe the guy that was your starter winds up being better in the middle innings and the guy, you know, vice versa, what's the difference? I don't even think you'll have a starter if, they, if you're going to keep this up. But – Again, I think it's in a lot of ways, and we won't know this for sure. I'm giving the major league guys and the minor league people some benefit of the doubt. But until you radically change the way you train, and I'm not talking about let 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 the throwing guys throw, take those pitchers out of the weight room. I you know you see these pitchers and they're looking like football players. That is going to be a surefire guaranteed arm problem with with what they're doing to look like that. Yeah, I agree. And the numbers point to that too. It was a, now this wasn't just pitchers, it was all players. So I would say adjust all players in the weight room too, because almost a billion dollars spent on injured players this year. 
Well, the weight room is a disaster uh, in every sport, but we're so more so in baseball. Yeah. Because, Why? You know, look, the injury levels you have, I think, in football, a lot of that is based on the turf. I, I haven't seen it as clearly in baseball. I don't know how many non-contact ACLs you get and how many ACLs you get in baseball. That's something I'm going to look into. But the, the, the injury issues we're seeing in all sports, but I think football, basketball, baseball have a lot to do with workload and certainly with what's being done in the weight room. Yeah, I would, I would agree as well. I think the numbers point to that. And we've had enough conversations in, uh, in and around all of our podcasts where we've had experts on talking about weight room use, arm, arm abuse, uh, prioritizing. You know, Jim Rooney had a great one this past week on perceived versus forced velocity and just people prioritizing like they do in life sometimes, the minor things, the minor muscle groups. So, and over, overdoing it with little muscles like the rotator before the big muscles are ready to handle stuff like that. Training young kids like they're men. That's, that's a problem as well. Well, that's, that's been going on for quite a while, but uh, there's no, there's no um, effort to recognize what, what does the pitching motion look like? It is the most complex of all, probably one of the most complex of all movements and the most delicate and you're getting into this nonsense where you have guys doing pull downs and leg extension, leg curl and bench press and leg press. And it's just throwing the body into this movement pattern confusion where nothing you're doing in your training <clears throat> resembles what you have to do when you, you're doing your main movement. And, and that's what we've talked about before in all of baseball. You have guys getting hurt, swinging the bat, throwing the ball and running the bases the three basic fundamental pieces of the game where you don't have contact to contend with. There's very little, not even like basketball where there's jostling for position, you're jumping and landing, you're jumping and landing in a crowd. There's very little of that in baseball, and yet you're getting these injuries off the charts. Oh, guys, I, just I, I, I just don't understand how these guys in the front office and now these women in the front office are going to look at these numbers and not – totally flush down the toilet everything they are doing in their weight room training. They're, they're, you can't fit good ideas into the disaster that is this existing system. It's no longer enough. Yeah, I got asked. I can't remember what podcast I was on. I'll, I'll figure it out and I'll put it in the show notes. But I got asked to kind of sum up just what we talked about. And I kind of laughed. Say, it would take way too much energy for me right now to pull any type of sense out of the nonsense that we see going on out there. And how many of the old timers have we heard from that have said that very same thing? They look at what's being done and it has no correlation to the sport that's being played. And yet people just go merrily on their way without any kind of critical assessment. Yeah, they actually, that's well, that's how we started our network. They push those guys out. We'll give them a voice. So as a result, we have real voices of the game now with those guys coming on and we encourage audience out there, you know, people that are in and around the game, former pros, college people that are in, in Sal's Sal's world with performance coaches, uh, with coaching backgrounds, reach out to us. We want to hear voices. So certainly support the show. Hey, you, I know you're, you're, you're football guy too. Are you following college football closely this year? Not the change. Oh, yeah. Always. Who's your, who's your team? Who do you see as the, I know it's kind of uh, messy out there right now, but who do you see as your early four? Well, so I'm a big believer that number one is number one until they aren't. And I think Georgia, you have to look at them as 
having had a hiccup, I think they're number one. I used to be a, I follow Clemson because my oldest boy went there and when right. his freshman year they won the national championship, but uh, they've struggled a bit and come back to earth. I, I don't really have, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Michigan just because I don't think they've played anybody yet. Penn State hasn't played anybody yet. They'll play Ohio State. We'll get a good idea. Ohio State struggled a bit. The UC, USC obviously was exposed pretty good this past weekend in a in very disappointing manner. I, I really didn't care who won that game, but I was hoping for a competitive game. It was really sobering, and I think any of these people who want their NFL team to tank for Caleb Williams, I think you should be rethinking that seriously, uh, especially it was given, uh, especially given it was in the week he said two things that would be problematic for me if I was a GM. One was he'd stay next year because he'd make more money there than he could as a quarterback for a bad team, no matter who it was. And two, he would expect to be a part owner for any team that picks him. I'll just move down, pick the next quarterback on the list, especially when you look at where Brock Purdy and Sam Howell were picked. I, I'd put my stock in someone like that. Yeah, I think with the, the way that they're calling the game now in the NFL, yeah, and the quarterbacks will catch up, but you're seeing, I mentioned it on our earlier week's podcast, two games with, with only 26 points scored or more in it. And I think they're, you know, they're allowing holding on defense a little bit now, and they're, you know, the offense had the advantage. People complain now they give the defense advantage, so less points scored. So those ridiculously explosive players are going to still make plays, not as much, but it's going to be tougher to make plays in that regard. I, uh, I I liked uh, I, I like I agree with you Georgia they they lost their tight end who I think is the best player in, in college football um, he's out four to six weeks with his injury um, and then uh, I, I do like Michigan at number two I think that's fair they have not played anybody yet but boy watch they don't they don't make mistakes they don't hurt themselves they don't they don't penalize themselves it's it's, it's fun to watch it's good hard nosed old fashioned run the ball football but uh, you know. I like- I Washington, that I love that quarterback, Michael Penix Jr. He, he was responsible for making Indiana relatively competitive for the years he was there, and he's been awesome up there in Washington. All of a sudden, you know, you've got a couple of those West Coast teams that we haven't heard much from lately. Oregon's making some noise again. Oregon State with the old Clemson quarterback is one lost team and is on the outside but has a shot. So I, I guess if I had to pick my four, I'd go Georgia. I think Michigan has a lot of stuff swirling around them, I'm, and I don't. I just see, have seen them in past years. I'm going to go. I'm a big believer in, in recent history. I'm going to go Georgia, Ohio State, Washington, and my nod to the outsider, even though I never liked them, is Florida State because the co- the coach there is put up with a lot. They're undefeated. They have Clemson, I believe, this week, which will be really interesting and will give them a shot for legitimacy. And with the Ohio State-Penn State game, that could move them up a, a spot if those other two teams play and don't lose. Yeah, I see. I uh, I, I agree with George. I, I like Michigan over Ohio State. I I see them the – la- I think they beat Ohio State the last two years. And I just – I don't like the way – I like the way Michigan – Michigan looks more like Georgia where they're, they're physical on the line. Uh, Ohio State's gotten more into that, that slinging it around. I think Penn State upsets them this week at Ohio State. I'm uh, going to watch that one closely. I do like Washington, and I think the ACC is going to get left out of the uh, the Big Five. And I'm going to throw this team out there, and 
um, people probably not like it because they see him kind of sliding. Watch Alabama when it gets to time of that. Oh, absolutely. I never, I'm never counting them out, but I, I don't need to pick them because they're 11. Let them earn – I don't mean earn their way back in, but let them get themselves back. But, see, here's the thing with the ACC. I think if Florida State stays undefeated, uh, if if they beat Clemson and – North, I don't know if they play North Carolina, but at some point like they will North have Carolina. to. Even if they don't have them on the schedule, they'll have to play them in the, in the tournament. North Carolina is 10, so they do have – and Duke is Duke is you know obviously had a better season. So let's see what happens with those teams because if Florida State State or North Carolina stay undefeated, I think they have to almost be in there. I do like I I Florida State. I like I do like the way North Carolina plays, um, and I think uh, I'd love to see Mac Brown <clears throat> take them back in there. Now a team that we didn't chat about. I know we got to get moving here, but um, Texas had a hiccup early on. They're very similar to Georgia and uh, Michigan, the way they play that big physical. I'm keeping my eye on on Texas as well. I think they've got they still got a shot. Um, well, to, as a huge you know, football fan, I think that the, they have to figure out how to expand the, the football playoff. And I don't want to again. You, you, there's all the arguments against it. They're ridiculous when you look at what March Madness has done in basketball. You can't tell me that there's a way that there isn't a way to manipulate the schedule so you eliminate some of the nonsense games these teams play, have them play more meaningful games, maybe less overall conference games, but then you're going to get better bowl games because you could then take some of those second-tier bowl games that really haven't, quote, mattered much, and those become the play-ins to the, to the, end, uh, to the end game. So I think there's totally a way they could do that. And when you look at some of these teams, how could you not be excited to see, you know, a, a, a scenario where you give two guys, two teams buys and the next eight teams play and you play down to the champion? I mean, that would be phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, they can say academics and whatnot, but these teams that are playing on Saturday are traveling on Tuesday. Yes. And then this is Wednesday through. Yes. It's uh, not Again, about see what, what, how many, you look at those road trips the basketball teams play. I mean, come on. Do, do they think we're like, well, no, they do think people are that stupid because that's the excuse they use. Yeah. Well, it's academics. Oh, okay. It's academics. Stop it with that. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I would keep an eye out on Air Force. Air Force played Wyoming tough this week and they beat them. Um, Toughest ground game going. They will be without their starting quarterback this weekend. They play Navy, which is always a tough one just because it's the two two of the military schools going head-to-head. But I saw Air Force last week because our, our, our guy Kevin Kernan was tweeting about Wyoming, and so I flipped over to the game, and I knew Air Force was strong. Wyoming is very good too. Um, but uh, Air Force just super impressive. They just run it right down your throat. Um, but they are without their quarterback. They've got a senior starting, so I'll be curious to see if they can get through Navy this weekend so but though you got to get heading out to your game soon right yep i'm uh gonna get done here have a little bite to eat change and get on the road so little little, little collagen coffee right yep. keep you going well good deal well, sal thanks so much for for the show today i think our audience got a ton as usual this is episode 323 all of our followers our subscribers fifty three thousand plus thanks for pushing us to iheart we've got some great news coming up in the upcoming weeks for you um, regarding our relationship with them. But uh, keep giving us the support. Keep letting iHeart know that they made the right choice with this podcast network. Give Sal five stars. Write some comments because we are battling the analytics of the podcast world just like we do 
in Major League Baseball. So with that, Sal, thanks so much. Episode 323 in the books. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Dave. Great weekend, everyone. Thank you.